stir imaginations for ways that you're going to bring life to these people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, well, uh, it's Brian again from the Info Hour. Um, <laughs> good to see you. Uh, I am uh, so glad you're here. We are finishing up our series on emotional, healthy spirituality, and uh, we are talking about rest today. It's going to be an amazing morning, guys. Who does not want to hear about rest? All right? In a city like Chicago, I hope that you enjoy it. Um, uh, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I'll explain why later. Um, but before we dig into that, I want to uh, introduce to you a, a, a phrase uh, coined in, uh, in Japan called karoshi. How many of you have heard of karoshi? Two of you. All right. Uh, karoshi is, uh, j- the Japanese are amazing at creating the most phenomenal words. Um, and they invented this word karoshi, which means uh, death by overwork. Um, They realized this first happened in the 1960s when someone at the age of 24 dropped dead of exhaustion after working 90 hours a week uh, regularly. Um, In the 1980s, there was an economic, uh, the economic crisis. Um, Three, like, top executives um, that were known as, like, the poster children of, like, what it meant to be successful as a a Japanese person um, dropped dead of either a heart attack or committed suicide. Um, And they realized that there was this uh, phenomenon called karoshi happening within Japan, um, death by overwork. And it's usually, uh, it's not just anybody who, who has that happen randomly. There's like connection of over, over, I think it's 85 hours a week working. Um, and these are not people in their 50s, 60s, 70s. These are people in the age 24, 31, 26. As you read about these stories of Kiroshi, death by overwork. Uh, it is a phrase that, that, that is used, um, occupational sudden mortality is what they call it. Um, and and this, is, uh, it, it, this is not just in countries like Japan. We as Americans work more hours on average than any other country in the world. And um, I think also, uh, I mean, it, it's, busy is kind of a code for important in our society, right? Like, and when's the, you introduce yourself, how are you doing? Oh, I'm really busy. When's the last time you introduced yourself like, hi, I'm Brian. How are you? I'm like, I'm just bored. <laughs> I'm so bored right now. Like, I don't even know what to do with my next day. Like, I don't have anything going on. Um, we, we, busy is kind of code for important for us. Uh, we feel, uh, feel that way. Um, not only does this Kiroshi affect uh, the j- countries like Japan, but um, I think of like, people like Anthony Bourdain. Um, Anthony Bourdain, as you know, um, uh, amazing producer, uh, committed suicide. Um, he visited Chicago and filmed uh, a series in Chicago, and he said a cl- Chicago was a colossus right smack in the middle of the country with everything that I love about a city, tall towers, hard corners, sharp elbows, and of course, food. Um, but Anthony Bourdain, um, he, he uh, worked a lot and a lot of hours. One of his best friends, who was a chef, um, said this about him after his death, um, He said, it never struck me as peculiar, but it was as if he gave everything to his work and then had nothing, zero left for himself afterwards. In response to an inquiry about whether he would ever retire, Bourdain once said, I gave up on that. I've tried. I just think I'm just too nervous, neurotic. I tried. I would have had a different answer a few years ago. I might have eluded myself into thinking that I'd be happy in a hammock or gardening, but no, I'm quite sure I can't. Maybe he experienced the pressure 
and it had Kiroshi. Studies reveal that 37% of Americans take fewer than seven days a vacation a year. In fact, only 14% take vacations longer than two weeks. Americans take the shortest paid vacations of anyone in the world. 20% of those who do, um, this is from Alex Sujong Kim Pong, who wrote a work book on rest. 20% of those who do often spend vacation time staying in touch with jobs through screens. Um, the point, even when we do vacation, we do it poorly. Um, I experienced this even on my, I took a sabbatical, a three-month sabbatical, many of you know this summer. It took me three weeks to get off the treadmill. Um, first week, two weeks getting off the treadmill of work. Then I just turned that into a treadmill on another project, a research project. And then I, I just basically was like creating treadmills. Um, it took me three weeks. And so we take these two-week vacations. We don't even get off the treadmill yet um, when we try to rest. Econ economists report that work hours and stress are up in all uh, classes of Americans and sleep and family time are down. Um, I remember sharing this a couple of weeks ago that Netflix was one, once interviewed about all the other companies coming out with streaming. And, um, and they said, like, aren't you concerned now that like Amazon and Disney and all these other companies are getting into the streaming industry? You're like, no, they're not our competition. They said our competition is sleep. You, you, like, so they're like saying, like, we got to figure out how to help you sleep less so we can have more. All the while, put that on your cue. Um, and all the while being bombarded with messages constantly to acquire, to consume uh, more goods, including labor-saving devices um, we're supposed to use uh, 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 constantly. We're sent messages with many stimulus um, that sometimes we have lost all impulse for quiet. Um, and, and the first thing many of us do when we wake up in the morning is turn on our little screens. And I would, I would say that we are uh, an overworked people and that we live in a culture of exhaustion. But God's people today, I want to talk about, is that we are meant to be a people of rest. Um, there's a book I'd encourage you to read called Praise of Slowness. Uh, he talks about slow sex, slow food, slow rest. I have your attention now. Um, <laughs> and, and he says that he, like, started realizing how much in a hurry he was when he began to like, he found this book called The One Minute Bi uh, Bedtime Stories for Kids. Like he started using management techniques now into like raising his kids on how to, I mean, let's just have a confession moment for all the parents. How many of you have ever, or a niece or nephews, skipped a line of a children's book? <laughs> Raise your hand. You skipped a line, you cheated a child of a story because you were in a hurry. We all have done this. <laughs> My daughter's right here in the first row. She's like, never again. Um, this is how much in a hurry we are that we cheat children of beautiful stories. <laughs> Speaking of that, I say that because shame and rest should never go together. Shame is actually a lot of hard work. So as I talk about this, some of you are going to start to feel a lot of guilt or shame because you're not resting well. This is an invitation, and this is a gift from God. It is not an obligation, but I do believe he it is both a command and a gift. But I want to say that if you leave here motivated by shame, shame is, is, is a lot of work, and rest is never meant to be work. So if you're motivated by shame, just don't do it. But hey, um, Jesus invites you to the best way to live, and we're going to talk about that today, all right? So... Um, <laughs> Jesus on rest. Jesus says, Matthew 11, 
come to me. He's talking, he says, I have a secret wisdom, not of this world. Um, and the Jews and the, the Pharisees were teaching uh, the ways to live very legalistically, very much tooth and nail, um, dot every I, cross every T. They had teachings upon teachings, interpreting the scripture of how you must do it. Jesus was an anti-Sabbath. A lot of people think Jesus was anti-24 hours of rest. Jesus was anti-abusive Sabbath. That's why he talks so much about the practices in the Sabbath, the way they were done poorly. Uh, and Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you, which is easy and light, and I will give you rest. Uh, Jesus' invitation was that this yoke, it was a contrast statement that between the ways of this world and the systems of this world that is all about strategy and technique. And he says, I'm, I have a secret wisdom that is not of this world. And if you tap into that, this way that you are made to live of seven days a week rhythm, six days of work and one day of 24-hour rest, like this way of life will go well with you. Did you know that back in like hundreds of years ago, they tried to transform the seven-day week calendar to 10 days a week and it failed? There were suicide rates going through the roof and they realized we got to get back to a seven-day work week, normal work week rhythm that was inspired by Judaic. Christian principles. So we are obsessed with speed. Everyone wants to learn how to slow down, but we all want to learn how to do it in a hurry. <laughs> Have you ever thought of seeing that? It's like with six tips to this, seven, five, quick, whatevers. <laughs> obsessed with speed, a race against the clock. These days, even instant gratification takes too long. We want to make things better. We have speed walking. We have speed dating, which we can maximize our, I bless speed dating in the name of Jesus. It's just, just calling out things that have the word speed in them. But on a serious note, we lose sight of the damage that this roadrunner type of living does on ourselves. And I was just thinking back, when's the last time that America has had a whole collective time of rest? It was 9-11. When's the last time we as a country rested? It was 9-11 when, when everyone left their jobs and held their loved ones a little closer and, and just paused and stopped. And the tragedy is it takes a tragedy for us to rest. And that's true collectively, and it's true of us as individuals that it takes a broken relationship, it takes a diagnosis, it takes being sick in bed, it takes a tragedy, that's the tragedy. It takes a tragedy for us to rest. And Jesus' invitation is come and rest. We aren't going to gain the insight of wisdom by secular ways. Jesus is going to only be seen in beautiful and desirable if the church rests. We will not be, Jesus will not be seen as desirable and attractive to the world if we look like the culture that is burnt out and exhausted. If Jesus' disciples are exhausted and burnt out just like the rest of the culture, Jesus is no longer good news. And so what I want to do is, is introduce like the biblical practice of rest, which is Sabbath. And so what is Sabbath? I'm glad you asked. Um, Sabbath, by definition, is this. I think this is uh, Pete Scazzaro. In the book, he says, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word that means to cease, to stop working. It refers to doing nothing related to work for a 24-hour period of rest. 
practical-minded people, we're going to get to that at the end, just hold off on what that might look like. It refers to this unit of time around which we are to orient ourselves, uh, our entire lives as holy, meaning separate from the other six days of creation. Sabbath provides an additional rhythm for an entire reorientation of our lives around the living God. On Sabbath, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. And so what I want to do is real quick, I want to give you just a biblical overview of Sabbath as fast as I can. First of all, Genesis 1. So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 1. Um, Genesis 1 is when we first see the word, the mention of, of rest. Of, it's God resting. Um, it says that God saw all that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. So the heavens and the earth were finished with all their forces. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he stopped all his work that he had been doing. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. By the way, the only thing in Scripture in the creation account that's called holy is not you or I, it is the Sabbath. Because on it, God stopped all his work of creation that he had been doing. So um, he, he rested on the Sabbath. This was not because God was exhausted or tired. It was because God saw all the amazing things that he had made and had to step back and say, that was good. I, the God's the only one who can do that. He's that prideful about like get away with that and be like, man, I'm amazing. Look at that stuff. Um, but God did that and he rested. And it is the kind of the way we should rest. We, many of us rest of like we're working through the week, we're grinding and it's the TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. I can just check out. I can relax. But no, we should rest looking back at what we've made and be like, it is good. It is good what I did those past six days. It is good what I completed. It is good what I didn't complete. It is good. But many of us can't stand to look back at our work um, because of our insecurities, because of our, of our guilt and shame. Um, we, you think of actors, um, people who like, will never watch a film. The actors will say, I'll never go back and watch a film I made. Um, uh, but a good friend says, hey, you finished that film. Let's go celebrate. That's what God's voice sounds like. He says, let's go celebrate what you've done. And God takes a step back, and he rests, and he celebrates. Um, you know, the creation accounts are all throughout various religious ancient um, writings. There's, and there's a lot of similarities. Uh, there's, there's, there's creation accounts for the Arcadians, the Babylonians. Uh, there's, there's, and people have compared all these. There's so many similarities between these. Did you know that, that the Old Testament is the only account that has Sabbath rest in the creation narrative? Only account that has Sabbath rest. Like, that causes celebration, that your God invented the weekend, Seriously, your God invented the weekend. He cares about you so much that he wants you to rest and delight in what he made. That is good news. And then when he made Adam and Eve, um, in the next verse it says that when he, cre- and he created Adam and Eve, um, it, it, did you, it's amazing that, they, imagine this, it says that he breathed life into the nostrils of Adam and Adam woke up. Imagine seeing the face of God as the first human being, like, oh, hello, God. And you're like, God, there's a lot of stuff here. This is amazing. He's like, I, and, and you're like, well, we should get to work. We should name animals. We should like, and God's like, the, the first, actually the seventh day was Adam's first day. The very first day of humanity's existence was a day of rest. Isn't that amazing? That the very first day that Adam and Eve woke up and lived was a day just to enjoy God's presence. That is good news. This is the very first mention of good news, by the way. And if you're not a Christian here, maybe you don't know this, but like this idea that you must work to get to God, you have to have enough enough uh, uh, 
scripture knowledge. You need to have enough uh, fruit in your life to come to God. That is not good news. That is fake good news. That is not good news. That This is the good news, that God made you, he loves you, and even though uh, rebellion has ricocheted and shattered the brokenness of the world, God has made you to want to ultimately rest in his presence for eternity. And this is the first mention of good news, the fact that he made us to be people of rest. And so everything God has made is good. It is good. Have you guys ever had bacon-wrapped dates? Or like a mango, like those mangoes that make you like need to get in the shower afterwards because they're just like. <laughs> Romans 1 says that all of God's creation portrays the attributes of God. So when you eat a mango or a date, you can be like, there is a God. <laughs> Next time you have an atheist friend, just take them to get mangoes and be like, eat this. Now tell me there's not a God, all right? God created all things to be good, good. In our culture of rest, we, uh, we, we do it differently, but God has made us to be people of rest. So God's made rest holy. He's made it, he's made it a, a day of worship. The next time we see rest is uh, the Sabbath rest is in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. Um, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Exodus 20, verse 8. And uh, it says this, be mindful, oh, first of all, uh, this is the fourth commandment uh, in the ten. Uh, the first three have to do about God, and the last, uh, the last uh, six have to do about how we love our neighbor. Guess what the hinge is between loving God and loving our neighbor? Sabbath. It's the way we bring down what is holy and what is God's presence into how we actually, your job as a person is not just rest for you, it's rest for everybody. And so the, the Sabbath is the hinge of how we see God's kingdom come to earth and is the hinge in between the two. And by the way, all the other commands get like one verse. The Sabbath gets four verses. That's got to be saying something, right? Four verses on the Sabbath. And he says that be mindful on the Sabbath day to make it holy. Six days you can serve and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath for Yahweh your God. Next verse. You will not do any work. You'll cease. And nor your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or the resident alien within your settlement. Now, we'll get into that in a minute. But this is crazy. We, we treat the Sabbath as just a suggestion. Like, we don't look at murder and be like, eh, probably shouldn't do that. It's just a good suggestion. Um, but we treat this as like a suggestion. Um, uh, A.J. Swoboda, who wrote an amazing book called Subversive Sabbath, I'll mention him a couple of times, he said that, like, He's like, as a pastor, if I were to cheat on my wife, he's like, I'd lose my job. If I were to steal money from my church and break the commandment of thou shalt not steal, I'd lose my job. If I murder someone, definitely losing my job. <laughs> he said, but if I were to not take a day off a week, he said, I'll probably get a raise. I'll probably get a raise. And I, I don't think that we take, what if this is something that's actually really important to God? Like, what if, this is actually, what if this is actually something that we've forgotten? Did you know that this is the only commandment that actually starts with the word remember? And I think it's because God knows that we're going to forget it. He knows that we're going to forget this command. And he says, I want you to remember one day, know that I'm God. Take yourself off the throne for just a minute. It won't last long, I promise, and you'll actually get to enjoy it. 
<laughs> that is such a good God. Um, this, this section, if you notice, it says, not only for yourself, but for your, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, or the resident in your, uh, your area, uh, in, your, in, in your land. And this is not just for you, but this is for everybody. Um, Sabbath is a form of justice. Sabbath is a form of justice. That sa- and one thing that you may leave here thinking, one objection is like, Sabbath feels like a really privileged thing. Like, it's something privileged people. What about people who have two jobs, trying to make it? Totally agree. I want to honor your season of life. I honor people's season of life. I know that there's people that just cannot tangibly make this happen, but the but when you are a person of justice, you will work hard to make this happen for other people. And this is what he's doing. He's saying, this is not just for you, this is for others. Um, I have this friend um, who uh, owns a restaurant in the city. It's one of the best breakfast places in the city. Um, And he's undocumented. And we talk. And I've kind of become his somehow breakfast place pastor (laughs) because he talks to me about things. And he, he can't see his family, his wife and kids. And they're back, back home. This has to be hard. That there's no rest for the person uh, who's afraid of where they're going to put their head. And so this scripture is not just for the Jews. It was for everybody. Um, A.J. Swoboda, who did research in this book, he said that he found um, writings in Jewish writings that <laughs> the, the Jewish people... You know, back then was a time of war. Everybody was at war with everybody. Do you know who loved fighting the Jews? Everybody. Because the Jews refused to fight offensively on the Sabbath. They would only fight defensively. So everyone wanted to go to war with the Jews because they even got a break. How amazing would it be if you even gave your enemies a break from the, on the Sabbath? They're tired of fighting with you. They need a break. Your enemies need a break. What if it was the people who said, we're going to even give our enemies a day off on the Sabbath? Um, we did this, uh, and what I want to, I'm going to get into this, but I, we, we talked a couple years ago about creating communal habits as a community. And one of those was the practice of Sabbath. Um, and we did a sermon on the Sabbath, and then we said for the whole fall, uh, we went and encourage, what if, what would happen if we all collectively began to do the same things and imagine the alternative community that we would be in this city? And when they met us, they would be people of rest. And so we began this, and there was like hashtags going around of like, this is how we Sabbath. Um, and like, there would be Instagram pictures of like hammocks, and all these people are giggling. You're like, oh, that was us. Um, and, and there would be, there was, <laughs> it, it was just amazing. And we even had one couple who, uh, who said, we, we are giving our entire employees a day off. We've never done that before. Now they take three months off to Mexico. God bless them. Um, but uh, it must be hard. Uh, it must be nice. It must be nice. All right. Uh, so uh, we all don't have that luxury, but the point is, is that what would happen if we as a community began to practice this and began to be this kind of people? Um, it, uh, another thing in terms of Sabbath is justice. Uh, I love a lot of things about our city. Um, one of the things I love is how much we fight for justice in the city. And uh, as we talked about just this being a people of justice, um, Sabbath is, is, is for you. Like if you're someone who's working for justice, Sabbath is for you. Like it is for you to rest and to stop from your toil and your fight. Because did, did you know that environmentalists have a very high suicide rate? Because they work so hard to see change and they never see it 
happen. If you are fighting justice, this is for you. If you do not take a day of rest, you just become the mean, angry justice person. Like God's people are meant to be the compassionate justice people. The people who do justice not out of compulsivity, but out of love and grace and humility. And so if Sabbath is a form of justice, not only that, Sabbath is a form of resistance. Um, Deuteronomy 5 is the next passage. So Deuteronomy, so Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy literally means just second law. It's like, let's go over the laws again. That's kind of what the book of Deuteronomy is. And so Deuteronomy 5, it's like, let's just do this again. Let's talk about the laws. And Deuteronomy 5 goes over the same laws. Guard the Sabbath day, sanctify it as Yahweh your God has commanded you. You can serve six days and do all your work, but on the seventh day belongs to Yahweh your God. You will not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant. Let's talk about that. Ox, donkey, animals, your pets get a break. Um, the alien who lives in your land. We see all that, da-da-da, we read all that. Next verse, uh, and then he has this. You are to keep in mind that you were servants in Egypt, slaves in Egypt, but Yahweh your God brought you out from there with a strong hand and an extended arm. That is why Yahweh your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Do you see what's going on here? He's saying Sabbath is a form of resistance against the pharaohs of this world. Sabbath is a form of, Pharaoh had a brick quota on these slaves of saying, you better make these these many bricks. You're going to work as my slave. You're going to make my society. You are going to produce my achievement, and you are going to produce consumption for this culture. And God's people says, nope, you know what? We're free. We don't serve your God. We don't serve the God of achievement. We don't serve the God of accomplishment, and we don't serve the God of consumption. We don't live for the empire. We live for a king and a kingdom, and he's a God of rest, people. He's a God of rest. It's good. He wants to give good gifts to you. He said, like, I, I want you to be free from getting your identity and your job and your work and, and what you achieve. And he's saying, this is a sense of freedom. Sabbath is resistance to the enslavement of an achievement society, of a consumption society. Such good news. I love the story of William Wilberforce. He said, if it wasn't for the Sabbath, he would never have done what he did. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you want to do good, it must be from a place of rest. Um, some of the other phrases that I've heard, <laughs> this one's funny. Have you guys ever heard like an a old pastor say something like, well, I'm not going to take a day of rest because the devil doesn't take a day of rest. <laughs> Let's just model ourselves after Satan. (laughs) Great. That's why he's the devil. He's exhausted. If the dude took a siesta, we'd all just be fine. Like, all joking aside, Job 1. Job 1, being in a hurry is is demonic. Like, the only spiritual entity throughout the scriptures that is in a hurry is the demons and Satan. Job 1, right? God says, hey, Satan, Job and uh, God and Satan have a conversation. God looks at Satan. He's like, hey, where you been? Satan's like, I've been roaming to and throw the earth. I've been, I've been roaming and running to and throw the earth. That is the mission statement of most human beings. And Satan says, this is what I'm doing. He, he, he can't find rest. There's another time where Jesus takes a demon-possessed man Sends the demons to a herd of pigs. The herd of pigs, they say, no. I mean, the demons say, don't do this to us. We need someone to find rest in. Sends them to the pigs. The pigs run. Because the, the, this, this anxious activity, this, this sense of like, I am in a hurry. I have to do this. Like, it's, 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 it's I'm not talking about productivity. It's, six day, it's a work rhythm that's important. 
Um, but what, what is not is the sense of never resting. Um, Jesus is never described as busy. Never described as busy. Um, so what if we put all these fears aside, that Sabbath rest is this weird legalistic thing that we should just forget about, like, like the verse about eating bacon? Um, what if we just put our fears aside that this is this legalistic Jewish thing that we should no longer have to do, and it's just archaic, and it, what, what if we put that aside for a minute and just, and just decided to be open um, to what God would want to do and what God may desire of us? Um, and Sabbath rest is actually really hard work. It takes a lot of work to prepare for the Sabbath. It takes a lot of work to get ready for a Sabbath. But what if God actually cares about this and loves it when you rest? Um, and, and how many of you are tired? <laughs> if you're not raising your hand, you're just too tired. <laughs> like, I used to have this professor he had this beard. He was an Anglican guy. He was like this charismatic Anglican. And he would stand up in a chair and he'd look at you and he goes, how's your soul? <laughs> and he'd like scare me to death. It's like one of those weird pastor questions, right? But I want to ask you like this morning, like how is your soul? Like how is your soul? Like are, is your soul at rest with God? Is your soul at rest? Is it being rejuvenated? Or like... How many of you are thinking like, man, the pace I'm making, I'm going at right now, like it, I know it can't be sustained. Or how many of you are thinking, man, the pace I'm going at, I could do this for another 40 years. This is amazing. Like, which one is it? Because you can't sustain it. Like Sabbath will either be good news for you or it will become bad news for you, but you're going to rest one way or the other somehow. Um, and so um, I really want to encourage you uh, to do this. Jesus took a Sabbath. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, he got tired he got hungry and thirsty. He took a Sabbath. So again, as I get in, I want to get into some practical things. How do we do this? Before I do, remember, Sabbath and shame. Sabbath is not honored through shame or guilt. Shame is work, tedious work. Um, coercion cannot lead us to authentic rest. Uh, it is guilt that so often motivates us to work 80 hours a week and produce like we work for Pharaoh. Guilt does not motivate us to rest. Life does. And so um, a few things. How do we do it? Uh, Marva Dawn wrote a book on Sabbath rest. She uses these four words. I think they're very helpful. Um, I would encourage you to write these words down and to think through some practical questions of how you are going to Sabbath. Um, this is something that you can come up with. I'm going to tell you how to Sabbath. But I will give some examples of things. Um, the first thing, uh, word is cease. The word cease, which means to stop, right? Uh, so how do we, what do we cease from? Um, uh, I would say three or four things. Next slide. The first thing, this is going to be the first one's actually the most challenging. You need to give yourself a lot of grace. Um, so for me, uh, why this is so important to me is because about five years ago, we were, five or six years ago, Ashley and I were planning this church. And, and as we were planning this church, um, planning a church is a lot of work. It's a lot of activity. It's a lot of grind we you know you had even being part of Missio Day as a whole we had like a whole day devoted to meetings so that was like a whole another day that I didn't get to work on planning the church that's what I told myself so um for me I was not taking a day uh I was only taking Saturdays off I was working six days a week um and then we finally get to our vision night 
vision meeting night. Was, and, and we got this, got the first time, we're getting everybody together, having this amazing meeting, and it goes well. There's all these people showing up, they're eating food, everybody's excited, everybody's praying. And then we close the meeting, and my wife walks out of the room. I'm like, where's she going? And so I walk downstairs, and I go find her, and, she, and I'm like, what's going on? She goes like, she just looks at me and says, I feel like I'm just your flipping babysitter. And my heart just, oh. Except she didn't say flipping. She said something else. <laughs> Which means that I knew she was serious. It was not about that night. It was about a cumulative effect. And that was like the breaking point for me. And from since that day, I've, I've taken a Sabbath, sometimes way better than others. After, before, leading up to the sermon, I was working really hard. Um, <laughs> my, my achievement personality, I want to win at the Sabbath. Uh, <laughs> But one thing I want to encourage you to let go of is just future thinking. And what I mean, like thinking of what you want, thinking of what you're going to do. Psychologists show that like thinking about work is actually creates the same uh, hormones that, that of stress as doing work. Um, thinking about what you're going to buy, talking about what you're going to buy. Uh, because if you remove future thinking, you're forced to be present with the ones you love. And it will be really hard work, but I want you to notice every time that you move towards a future thought on your Sabbath. And you are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is like literally every conversation. But you're going to get better at this as you practice, but I would, I would encourage you to cease and let go of future thinking. The second is control. I think the person who has the most hardest time with this talk on Sabbath, from my experience, is moms. Um, because you're like, how in the world am I supposed to do this? Like, there's no way. I have little kids. What do you want me to do? Like, tell my kids to make their own mac and cheese? Like, what am I supposed And I would just encourage you to, look, as much as you can, like, give God your laundry. It sounds so cheesy. Give God your dishes. Like, give God everything that's left undone. And let go of control for 24 hours as much as you can. Let go of control. And third is let go of ambition. Um, so don't get in your, this is much better of a filter than saying, like, don't do any work. Because if you work with your mind, sometimes it's best to rest with your hands. In the summertime, working a garden is an amazing time for me. I will, that would be an amazing form of rest. Um, going and exercising is a great form of rest. So get creative. But the way we rest is not usually with these things. Um, next slide. So not only cease, but rest, true rest. And the way we often rest is um, Eugene Peterson called uh, the bastard form of rest, the illegitimate child of Sabbath, um, which is basically like check out on Netflix, um, doodle around online. Um, I'm just exhausted to just like passively take in whatever comes to me. Uh, he, that, that's not like, we, we basically like, if this is life to the full, the way we rest is here, gets up to here, and we never get to here. Um, because our, we're, what we're doing is relaxing, not renewing, right? Like Netflix is relaxing, not renewing. But when we truly form into God's form of rest, when we begin to really enjoy what he's made, enjoy the people around us, um, man, feast out on the Sabbath of all God that has made us good, um, and, and, and actively engage our mind and heart and soul, we get to the full form of rest. And what we're missing in that gap is joy and peace. And we're never getting to full joy and peace because we're not truly resting to the full. And so I want to encourage us to fully rest. Um, so cease... One of the first things you may want to do to cease is if you have one of these. I did this this past week, uh, inspired by my sabbatical in which I got my phone stolen and I had no phone for a week. It was amazing. Loved it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually, there's this button right here and you turn it off. 
you turn it off right there. And guess what happens when you turn it off? Usually these makers put a little apple a little right there on there just to remember, hey, you're returning to Eden. Turn it off. <laughs> Get it back. Oh, cheesy pastor dad jokes. <clears throat> you're returning to Eden. You've been eating from the wrong fruit. Get back to resting. But I turn off your phone. I challenge you. And some of you really want to hear from God. Um, I'm telling you, I, I will almost bet the bank if you do this, if you cut your phone off for 24 hours, you will begin to hear from God. Some of you are like, I just can't hear from God. I can't hear from God. I, just, I can't hear from God. I can't hear from God. Why can't I hear from God? I don't know why. Like, turn this thing off. You're not that important. Sorry. I'm not that important. So rest. I did this out of order. Um, but you know that Jew, Jews, what Jews, do, what we do, uh, seek to do, um, again, just getting back into the, we've had normal Sabbath and we've had a hardcore Sabbath, but Jews would do this. They start their Sabbath on Friday evening when the sun goes down um, and they await it like a groom waits for a bride. And they anticipate the sixth day, often busy getting food supplies. It gets five o'clock, whatever's not done stops. Dishes aren't done, it doesn't matter. And the matriarch would light seven candles, and light the seventh candle to reflect the day of creation and officially welcome the Sabbath. And there's just a shift in the environment. And whatever was warring you before just stops, doesn't occupy your mind for 24 hours. And there's something special going on with God's presence who wants to renew your life with health, purpose, meaning, and presence to your days. And they gather around a meal. And what we do in our, we, we, we yeah, we, we just seek to, to shut off, go for a walk, read books, um, enjoy pancakes in the morning, um, just cre- get creative, um, but rest, rest in God to the fullest, all right? So, is this good news? Okay, hard, but good news. All right, two more, and I'm done. You guys got five more minutes, maybe seven? Um, feast, feast, man. Um, Jewish tradition, uh, there's writing that shows that fathers in the morning would give their kids a teaspoon of honey every morning on the Sabbath just to remind them to never forget the sweetness of God's rest. So good. Um, One of my favorite things is to listen to vinyl um, because you're not meant to do anything else but just to sit down and listen to music. Um, Find something that you just feast and embrace all that God has made, what brings you pleasure, what brings you life, and go do it. And to the glory of God, go do it. Doesn't have to, some of you think of Sabbath, when I say Sabbath this whole time, you've been thinking, this guy just wants to show up at church for five hours a week and listen to Christian music and read my Bible and all that. No, like, yes, do get into scripture, do it, but man, go find what gives you life and go do it. Um, Jewish, uh, did you know that Jewish uh, rabbinic writings commanded for uh, married couples to have sex on the Sabbath? Some of you are like, Sabbath, yes, please. (laughs) Some said four times a day on the Sabbath. I'm just telling you what it said. (laughs) Just the messenger. Um, Enjoy your children, enjoy your family. Take a walk, walk before you drive, take CTA before you drive, take an Uber before you drive, just some, cha- some things. Go get and enjoy some art. If you haven't been to the Art Institute and you live in Chicago, you are sinning. <laughs> just a joke, guys. <laughs> just a joke. Um, sleep in, train your kids to bring you coffee, drink good wine. <laughs> These are just some practical things I wrote down. Um, <laughs> practice this... <laughs> 
Practice the discipline of slowing down. Take the longer line in the grocery store on purpose. Wow. Hold a baby. Not like a crying baby, but just hold a baby. (laughs) Some of you think I'm digressing. This is all in my notes. This is all intentional. Hold a baby. Seriously. Like, hold a baby. It's not an efficient use of your time (laughs) to hold a baby. And it's something about it just centers you and calms you. Um, Come up with a plan. I'd love for you to share your plan and share these stories. Um, But God wants to bring you life and rest today. And And rest never comes.